Coming up, I'm going to tell you how to communicate under high stress. And then Gen Z, well, they're not so fired up about that promotion. We'll break down why, and I think they're right. Let's go. Helping you win in your work life so that you can win in the rest of your life. This is the Ken Coleman Show. I'm Ken. All right, so let's talk about uh, let's talk a little bit about public communication. It is you know for years and years and years we've seen this data out there. You've all heard it at some point. Someone says most people would rather uh, die than give a public talk, right? And so it's it's pretty pretty intense, pretty scary stuff. But at some point we're all going to be called upon to communicate in a high pressure situation. And if you don't have a process for organizing your thoughts, you could have an absolute train wreck. You could completely freeze. You could uh, just mumble all over yourself. You know, who knows? Uh, But there's a way to, no matter how high pressure it is, for you to win as a communicator, okay? No experience or a lot of experience. Now, there's two types of high pressure communication situations. They are the situations where you do have time to prepare. So maybe this is a a, a corporate speech or in front of your board uh, at a fundraising event. Who knows? But you know it's coming. It's on the calendar and it's high pressure, but you've got some time. It's out there in the future. And then there are the high pressure communication situations where you don't have time to prepare. It's in the moment. You are truly not just under pressure from the gravity of the moment, but under pressure because of the intensity of the moment. It's now. And so there are some common pitfalls that come with both scenarios. So let's first look at that. It's in the future. It's high pressure, but I've got some time. Okay. Uh, you can, you can over talk. You get too much out there. You know, you try to do too much. I know I still have to work on this all the time. Uh, I get a 45 minute talk and I'll do two hours worth of content. I'm trying to squeeze you to 45 minutes. So you over-prepare in the sense of you put too much in. Uh, then you could get in the weeds, right? Too detailed. You know, get too in your head uh, because you're freaking out about it. You have too much time to think about it. And as a result, you come out and you're just not at your best. You got some low energy. All right. Now, let's look at the pitfalls of not having enough time. This is freezing up because you haven't had a time to prepare your thoughts at all. And so your brain is going on overdrive trying to come up with something, process information, but you're under high stress and you lock up. Uh, Sometimes it's just too aggressive. You're just, okay, I don't know what to do, so it's going to be blunt force, right? And then sometimes it's just not good perspective. It's just you've only got one way of looking at it, you know, and then you look at people say, why didn't you say this? Why didn't you say that? And you're like, "I, I wouldn't even think it. So depending on how you were wired, Uh, I believe you're going to have a competitive advantage in one of those situations. The other situation will be more of a challenge for you. Now, we talked about this on the show previously from a book that I read called Top Dog, The Science of Winning and Losing by Poe Bronson and Ashley Merriman. And, and, And here was their takeaway from the research. There are people like me who do better under pressure than people who freeze or wilt under pressure so you're one of the two so if you've got time and even though it's pressure you have time to prepare you're going to do better in that situation 
just naturally with with no tips. And I'm about ready to give you tips to win regardless. But if you're a person who does way better, if I've got more time to prepare, well, then you're obviously going to do better in a high-pressure situation you have time to prepare for. But if you're like me and, and you really love the pressure and the more pressure that there is, the better you seem to perform, then you will naturally do better in the short-term situation where you go, I don't have a lot of time to prepare, maybe none at all, okay? Now, I'm going to share a system that will guarantee success in either situation. So let's start with the first step. You have got to construct your message from 30,000 feet. Even if you've got a long time to prepare or no time at all, begin with the end in mind. Here's what I mean. This is a fun little process. There's really three questions that you're asking yourself about your audience. The first question, what's the one thing that I want my audience to know? What's the one thing I want my audience to know? What we're talking about here is a thought, a message, a theme. I want my audience to know that they can win in real estate. I want my audience to know what God says about them. I want my audience to know how to have a balanced nutritional and physical life. Whatever. Just fill in the blank. It's the one thing I want to know, that you can eat sensible on a low budget. You can eat healthy. You can eat clean on a low budget. Whatever. It's a super specific message. This is the one thing when they walk out after hearing me talk to them, they know. Right? It's the idea, the theme. That's the idea, the hook. Second question is, what's the one thing I want my audience to feel? Now, this is the emotional piece of a communicator connecting to an audience. Do you want them to feel confident? Do you want them to feel brave? Do you want them to feel loved? Do you want them to feel educated? Do you want them to feel romantic? Do you want them to feel whatever? What do you want them to feel? What's that emotion you want them to walk away with? By the way, there's a connection between all three questions. So what's the one thing I want them to know? What's the one thing I want them to feel? So in telling them what I want them to know, I've got to do it in such a way that the feeling is there as well. And I'll explain how all of this works together in just one moment. The last question, what's the one thing I want my audience to do? This is the takeaway. You're going to challenge the audience to do something. If this is in a sales meeting, this works. What do I want my potential client to know? What do I want them to feel? What do I want them to do? Now, with the, with the client, you want them to buy. You want them to renew. Okay? So what do I want them to know? That's the main thought. What do I want them to feel? That's the emotion that you need to make sure you leave with them so that... They are inclined to do. See, each of these builds on each other, and it's leading the audience to a place of, oh, I want them to act. And see, people must feel something in order to do something. So fill in those questions. What do I want the audience to know? I mean, literally, get out a pencil, get out paper, type it up. What do I want the audience to know? What do I want them to do? What do I want them to feel? Fill it all out. All right, now, once you got those answers, reverse engineer the problem, the solution, and the reason for the solution. All right? So this is how you actually construct your talk. Once I know what I want the audience to know, 
to do, to feel. Then I go, aha, based on what I want them to know, there is a problem that they are dealing with, and I want them to know how serious the problem is. I want them to know how to get through the problem, right? Hey, you have a problem. That's what I want them to know. What do I want them to feel? I got you. You can solve the problem. Here's the solution. Here's how. That's the do. No feel do. Problem, solution. At the very end, go, the reason why you must do what I'm telling you to do is because you will overcome this or you will achieve this. So you let what you want your audience to feel guide the entire tone. Okay? And then you conclude with the one thing you want your audience to do. So that's how that works. No feel do combines with, all right, I got my messaging. Now I got to come up with, here's a problem. Here's a solution. Here's the reason for the solution. And here's what happens. If you have no time at all, you can be alone for 30 seconds, 60 seconds ago. Okay. What do I want the audience to know? What's the big thought? Okay. I need them to know this. Okay. What do I want to feel? What's the feeling I want to leave them with? Okay, okay, okay. Okay, what do I want to do? Okay, great, 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 great. Now, now, set that talk up. Now that I want them to, now I know that I want them, I know what I want them to know, feel, do. Now I can say, all right, what's the problem I'm helping them with? What's the solution? What's the reason for the solution? And now all of a sudden you got yourself a little outline. And those six little hacks, no, feel, do, problem, solution, reason for the solution, it allows you to craft a message in no time at all. And you don't have to have an hour to deliver it. Maybe you only have three minutes, but you can come up with something that you need to say, how you need to say it, and you're ready to say it. So there's your communication hacks. Under pressure, keep it simple. It's all about clarity. The confidence will come to deliver it, and the audience will eat it up. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a thousand hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to the Ken Coleman show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman, BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, Gen Z uh, doesn't think it's worth it to get promoted. This is an interesting article here from Business Insider that I've got, and this has got a couple contributors to it. Uh, One, a a career coach, another recruiter. And this is pretty fascinating, and and I think Gen Z is right. I think Gen Z is probably one of the braver generations that kind of go, eh, eh, I don't know. I don't know if I want the promotion. Because it seems nonsensical, doesn't it? 
Hey, way to go, Ken. Good job, pal. You've been really killing it. We've noticed you're killing it in your sales. So we're going to move you up. You're going to be a team sales leader. You're going to be a manager, blah, 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 blah. And when that comes our way, first of all, it feels good. It feels good to be recognized. That's what we all want. Hey, boy. It looks good. Hey, I got a promotion. Mom, dad, you're not going to believe it. Girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Hey, guess what? I got promoted. Well, all right, that feels good. And, and, and comes with some more money. So that feels good. But I've said this before on the show. There's got to be an alternate to the positional promotion. Love the financial promotion. Love the recognition. I don't think it should automatically just come with a change in position. Because here's how it works in, in the American workplace. Come in at a role here. Maybe you really enjoy the role. And you're doing such a good job. What do we do to reward you? We pay you more and we pull you out of the role. <laughs> now, let me also say that sometimes the promotion is what people want. But that's the operating system we need to be thinking about. Do you want to be paid more? Yep. Going to get a yes on that one every time. Okay. Do you like how I'm recognizing you? Would you like to be recognized and rewarded besides pay? Yes. Oh, that'd be glorious. Thank you. You're going to get a yes every time on that one. Do you want a change in position? I think sometimes people are going to go, I really don't. Is there a way that I can get the pay and the other rewards and the recognition, but stay in my same role? I think people are afraid to say that. There have been, and I understand. It seems counterintuitive. You've just been told that you're going to get promoted. And you go, well, I'd be an idiot. I mean, like a village idiot, like babbling moron. If I said, I, you know, thanks, but I really like it where I am. And by the way, you're not given the option that I just laid out. It doesn't happen very often. I think it should happen. Hey, I want to reward you. I'm going to give you this bump in pay. Uh, give you some extra vacation. Or we're going to send you to this, this, to send your family, or whatever. I just think we ought, as leaders and managers, to give people the option to decide. Well, according to these experts in this article, Gen Z is saying, no thanks. These brave souls are going, no I'm okay with life as is. And I, listen, I admire them. You know, I was having a conversation with my oldest son. Kid's a deep thinker, man. The kid is just a deep thinker. And, you know, he was just talking to me in general about this. Kid's 17, he's a senior in high school. And he's like, he goes, I just, this this thing in America where, like, everybody feels like they got to go out and make a ton of money. He goes, I just don't understand why that makes, I'm like, so proud of him. I mean, listen, I have no problem with everybody going out and making a bunch of money. But, you know, we at Range of Solutions talk about this thing called financial peace a lot. And financial peace has nothing to do with your salary. It has everything to do with what you keep. 
what you save, what you invest. And so I thought it was very interesting. And and again, he represents Gen Z. But the this is a very interesting. The, the, the passage that I want to just touch on in this Business Insider article is that while management isn't for everyone, bosses who do want to promote their younger workers are going to have to do more than put up the money and the position. They're going to have to give support, clarity, and training that many Gen Zers and, quite frankly, members of all generations crave to feel fulfilled and excited at work. So here's what's happening. This younger generation is saying, according to these recruiters, uh, look, I don't know that I want management if in exchange for it, I'm stressed out like you are all the time. By the way, you want to know why everybody's so daggum stressed out in the workplace? It's because the leaders are stressed out. That comes from the top, not the bottom. Stress doesn't come up from the ground. <laughs> it comes from the top. It flows down. Leaders are stressed out. They're burned out. They're freaked out. They start acting that way, talking that way, leading that way, and 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 people start feeling it. So good on Gen Z. Good on Gen Z for saying all right, I'm happy where I am. Or I'll take the bump in, in, in authority and in responsibility and pay if I'm supported properly. But I'm not about to be miserable and have my life completely just upside down all to get better pay. I applaud these young people. They get it. They get what life is about, that it's the experience it's not all the trappings that come with it. It's the actual day in, day out. And and quite frankly, I don't like when some people call them lazy because every generation, my generation, Gen X, we had plenty of lazy, shiftless people. has nothing to do with the next young generation. It's a fact that they get this and they're going, I don't want to live like you live. I don't want to work like you work because what I'm seeing isn't very exciting. And I think we need to applaud them. So, way to go, Gen Z. All right, another story I want to pivot to very quickly because this is a, okay, what's coming down the economic pike? All right, what's coming down? And stuff in the news all the time right now, the Fed chair saying, well, we're not predicting a recession. Okay, I hope that doesn't happen. You know, six months ago it was, well, we think there might be one. We'll do a soft landing is our hope. Now they're saying, well, we don't see one. Okay. So we get a lot of different economic indicators that seemingly are at opposite ends of each other. So, for instance, unemployment low, but inflation is still high. So these are weird economic indicators. But this is one that we all need to be paying attention to because of its historical accuracy. America's trucking industry is not in a good place. Not in a good place. And many times... The trucking industry is essentially a weather vane to kind of go, here's where the economy is going. And they are in the trucking industry saying that they are in a great trucking recession. This is concerning. JKC Trucking Vice President and co-owner Mike Kukarski told Fox News, everybody's calling this the great trucking recession, and it's true because all the trucking companies right now are in dark times. He went on to say, the trucking industry is the engine that drives the American economy forward. Now, what does he mean by dark times? Well, here's a couple of high-profile examples. Yellow Corporation, one of the nation's oldest and largest trucking companies, laid off 30,000 employees in August and filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Convoy, 
a Seattle-based trucking startup that was valued by investors at $3.8 billion shut down last month. A year ago, they got the valuation of $3.8 billion. Now they shut down. Volumes are down, meaning there ain't enough stuff to ship. Why is there not enough stuff to ship? Because the American consumer is pulling back on their spending. This is, again, out in front of a lot of the lagging indicators that we get from the Fed and from the media that share with us the economic numbers. So this is out in front. We're coming into the holiday shopping season. They had a brutal 2022 shopping season. It was way below expectations, way below previous norms. And again, that stuff's getting shipped a lot of times across our interstate system through trucks. And the trucking industry is saying, we're hurting right now. We don't have enough stuff to ship. We're hurting. This take from one of the trucking owners, now everybody has depleted their funds. They're not buying as much. They've burned through their money. And now the prices of food, energy, and others have skyrocketed. And so people are buying less. And that means truckers are fighting over freight to make profit or break even to survive another year. This from the trucking industry. Okay? So we got to pay attention to this. If they're struggling and fighting over freight, that means the economy is slowing down and may catch up to us. So keep saving money. Have that second income. Be smart. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. It's time to coach somebody up, and I believe it's Matt joining us now in San Antonio, Texas. Matt, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hi, Mr. Coleman. Um, how are you today? Good, Matt. How are you? Good, good. And thank you very much for taking my call. I appreciate what you do. Thank you, sir. Um, I just had wanted to get your opinion on um, a question I had about whether I should leave my family's business. Okay. And I have some background if I can lay that out for Yeah, you. go for it. Okay, so I quit a job in 2021 in January uh, due to some an incident between my the partners in the business, um, and I left to help the business as kind of the only person that was in the office, and I kind of made the quote-unquote promise to eventually take it over to my father. Okay. Uh, so he's told me recently, um, we've got a couple arguments since then, and during one of these times he told me that, you know, the only reason he were really doing this is because he wants to have it around for me. And so that, and so that's why he doesn't just go, you know, get a job as an HVAC tech uh, to pay off his personal debt. So after three years, I don't feel qualified to take this business over. And I don't honestly know if I really want to, I apologize. I'm super nervous. You're doing great. So, so, so you're doing great. Let me ask a quick question. You keep going. So you've already left them once before. Did I understand that? Correct. Um, I worked with them throughout high school, you know, in the summers and oh, stuff. Oh, I see. And, um, okay. Yes. But and what I've is the really business? Stopped. It is an HVAC air conditioning. Okay. All right. Keep going. Okay. So although I don't mind the work in the field or long hours in the office trying to, you know, 
printing out reports and stuff like that. Um, I kind of focus on the accounting side. So uh, the, what really bothers me is um, honestly leading people. Um, I'm trying to help manage the, you know, in my role, I'm kind of an executive like slash administrative assistant, and I'm trying to manage the entire business along with my parents. Um, so the, just the thought of leading the, men that are far more experienced and older, older than I am at 26 is just, it's honestly not for me. And I would rather get, like if I was going to do my own business, I'm thinking I would rather have my own HVAC license and just do it by myself. Kind of like a one man show thing until I can build myself to the point where I can lead people if that I choose to do that. And so currently my focus in school is accounting, but since I'm ready to transfer, I have to pause, pay off my, car that I got and uh, save for a bachelor's degree. And I have a job interview lined up, but before I make the move, just wanted to talk to you. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit confused because I think you're a little bit confused. A little bit. Yeah. Um, here, here's where I'm confused. Why would you go out and be and do your own HVAC work, one-man job, mm-hmm. which I, I that's going to be really hard to sustain yourself, I would imagine. Uh, but let's just say that that worked and you went out and you just worked for yourself. You did HVAC repair and you're going to build mm-hmm. it back up. You're going to build it up from the ground till you're ready to lead versus you got an opportunity to lead an HVAC company right now. And, and what's right. confusing about that to me is, is I don't, I don't know if it's that you don't want to do HVAC work or that you don't right. want to lead people right now. That's what I'm curious. Do you want to do HVAC work? Is that the the work you want to do the rest of your life? Um, I, like I said, I'm focusing in accounting and I do really enjoy this work, the accounting side of it, but I also do enjoy HVAC work. I'm not sure if it's something I want to do for the rest of my life. Okay. Well, get sure. And you know okay. how to get sure? Like, in, uh, like immerse yourself in, in the business and maybe you've already done it and maybe you are already sure. But I mean, you've got the ultimate sandbox with your dad's HVAC business to decide whether or not this is what you want to do with the rest of your life. Okay. But it doesn't make sense to leave your dad's company mm-hmm. and go out on your own to then try to bide some time until you're ready to lead. I got news for you. You're never ready to lead. Mm-hmm. Ever. You're never ready to lead. You just have to lead and figure it out as you go. Okay. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Let me let me yes, give sir. you another example. Okay. You ever seen any war movies? A couple, yes. Yeah, okay. It's the equivalent of going to uh, training, basic training, and you get trained, 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 trained. You do everything. You're in top physical shape. Everything You've done everything that you could possibly do. But the moment comes where you're actually under fire and someone's out there trying to kill you. People are dying around you and your leader goes down and you're second in command. And now all of a sudden you have to lead. Are you ready to lead at that point? Probably not. No, you're not ready. You've got a lot of training. You know what the chain of command is. You know all the things. But in that moment, you are now going to go, okay, uh, it's game time and I got to learn how to lead these guys out of the situation or we all die. Okay. All right. Now leading your dad's HVAC company is not that intense, but I just question whether or not you want to do HVAC work or not. Forget the leading part because the leading part, I think it's just freaked you out 
but you would be leading in the HVAC business. Are you going to be out there turning a wrench? Probably not. So right. then, and honestly, yeah, go ahead. I prefer that. You, <laughs> well, it's with this business particularly. There's a lot of debt, and um, we I've been saving up like a cash fund, and so it's just it gets really stressful. I get to it. try to manage everything. Yeah, your dad's got a lot of debt, know. and that particular business, you're like, I don't want to take over a company that's loaded with debt. I get that. Right, we struggle just to make payroll. Yeah, know, but I'm, I'm thinking big debt. picture. I'm I'm right. I'm not even worried about right. your dad's company. I'm so. Do you want to be okay. leading an HVAC company, or do you want to be working on an HVAC system, or something else? I would. If I was going to be an HVAC, I'd rather be working on the system as a technician because right. I don't have to make all the money of leading the company. Right. I just want. To, Are you a process you know. guy? You love processes, kind of digging in. I, I would say so. Yes, yeah. sir. Auditing, kind of. Can I? I'm going to say something. I want you to tell me what you think, yes or no. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Okay. I don't think you want to do HVAC. I don't think you want to work. I don't think you want to run an HVAC company, and I don't think you want to work on HVAC systems the rest of your life. I think there's something else out there for you that's much more appealing. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe you think about it. Maybe you don't know yet, but I don't think that's what you Mm -hmm. want to do. Am I right or am I wrong? That's fair, yes. I would say yes. All right, then let's start there. today's the day you go, I don't want to work on HVAC systems. Nothing wrong with working on HVAC systems. You can do it and probably enjoy it, but I don't think that's (laughs) what you want. I think there's a clue in this accounting. I think you like numbers. I think you like processes. I think you like (laughs) that. I think you like the analytical type type of work. Am I right? You know, when I think about jobs that I've had other than what I'm doing now is usually I go for valet auditing or front manager where I audit the cashier tools and safes. And Why? Yeah, I enjoy. Why? I, I just like when I'm looking at the spreadsheets, I guess, and I'm typing the crunchy numbers. And exactly. It's just I know I'm good at it. There like you it. go. And you like it. You're good at it and you like it. Mm-hmm. And it also produces a result that I think you care deeply about. I think you care deeply about efficiency. Oh, yes. All right. There it is. So HVAC work for you touches on that a little bit because you're analyzing what's going on with the system. And then you're you're locking in on the specific problem. And then you're Mm -hmm. fixing it. So I think that's why HVAC work itself, actually on the unit itself, you can enjoy that because it is process driven. I'm trying to find out what the problem is solve for that problem Mm -hmm. and get that system running again. And I'm a happy camper. I think it's the same thing with numbers for you. What are the numbers? What are the, what are the numbers really tell us? Is there a problem in here? Let me dig into these problems, audit, figure out where we can find fat, where we can find waste, where we can find fraud, where we can find whatever. I think you're analyzing and solving. And I think that's around numbers and processes. I think you're a happy man if you're doing that. Okay. True or false? Um, that sounds true. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I just don't feel qualified to do that. Well, much, wait a second. You know? What need? Okay, okay, great. Fine. I didn't feel qualified the first time I showed up and did a radio show. But I kept going. Okay. So I kept getting some experience. Okay. So what do you need to do to be qualified for that kind of work? Could be a degree, could not be a degree. Could be a CPA's license, could not be. Could be blah, 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 fill in the blank. What is the kind mm-hmm. of work you want to do? What numbers do you want to crunch? How do you want to crunch them? 
What are you going to be focusing on? What re- What is required to get that gig? What degree okay. or what certification is required? And that's all you got to do, my young friend. Hey, you may not be qualified right now, but guess what? I wasn't qualified to be a parent either. I'm still figuring that one out. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.